back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy tools and analysis on the entire internet. Go there right now, no matter what you're doing, if you're at work, um, if you are driving to the hospital, no, if you're driving to the hospital, go to the hospital, Jesus. Um, if you're flying an airplane, go to HashtagBasketball.com. Because you have autopilot on your on your plane. Unless it's like one of those little planes where you actually have to fly the plane, then keep flying the plane. Do not you shouldn't be listening to a podcast either. Because I think that's like against regulations. And I don't know, I don't have a pilot's license. Go to hashtag basketball.com if you do or don't have a pilot's license. I am your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me as always is my co-host Tyler P. Watts. What's up, Tyler? Uh, Michael, an important day in the NBA calendar arrives this week. Are you aware of this? The in-season tournament! Oh, yeah! No, that ended. We're done with that. Oh, yeah. um, it, it, it was fun. The courts were weird. Uh, I should have put a billion were... dollars on LeBron winning that, because that was fixed. <laughs> I don't know if it was fixed, but wasn't it? always going to be the case that lebron cared more about that than most other players well it's the only it's the only ring he can get now uh you said that not me shots fired anyway i thought the i thought the tournament was fun was and it it added some spice to a part of the season where the casual fan doesn't really care. Like, I feel like people were, more people were tuning in and watching and caring, especially when it got to the knockout part of the tournament. And, like, I I was surprised. The players actually stepped up a level of competitiveness. Like, granted, these are, like, some of the most competitive human beings in the world. So, like, uh, yeah, of course they were going to step up their competitiveness. But, like, you can see them caring and seeing them putting the effort into the in-season tournament to me as a basketball fan who wants to watch good basketball like that that makes me like the tournament and that the tournament should continue even though it fucks up an entire week of fantasy bat and but really three weeks of fantasy basketball if you think about it at the very beginning of the season i i'm still for it because like good basketball is good basketball and i, I want that more than anything else facts um so on friday uh, December 15th, a large majority of the league becomes tr- be eligible to be traded. And I should say a large majority because it's like 80-some players. Uh, they're all the guys that signed in the offseason. Um, what does that mean? see. Nothing, I don't think. I don't think there's going to be any trades on December 15th. I think there's a lot more trade talk starting on December 15th because a lot more players can be traded. Um. I don't think we're going to see a trade until probably January or February, right? Like closer toward the deadline. But at the same time, I think it's a good spot to also evaluate your team. Because by Friday, we'll be most of the way through week eight. The season will be pretty close to a third of the way over already. Yeah. And at that point, you should know what you're good at, what you're not good at, and you should be trying to either fill your holes or go all in on like, hey, I'm going to win this, you know, 5-3 every week by dominating these three categories, right? Like, you got to figure out your team, figure out where you're going, figure out what you need. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that, that it's a big week for that in general in fantasy. 
I would agree. If you have not made a trade yet, it's week eight, and a lot of people are going to go, it's only week eight. There's 24 weeks in, in the season. It's only week eight. Well, if you're in a head-to-head league and there's a playoffs, <laughs> there might be like 19 weeks in your regular season, which means, guess what? We're at the halfway point, like, next week. So if you haven't made a trade yet in your league, you're either, A, the best team in the league, and you need to play in a more competitive league, like, if you're the best team by far. Or B, um, you just maybe haven't decided to pull the trigger on stuff that's come back and forth. But the we always say exploit desperation. And if you are a team sitting on the wrong side of the playoff race or the wrong side of the standings in a roto league, Right here, weeks eight, nine, and ten, going into December, going into that um, Christmas break, everybody's going to be thinking about the NBA over the Christmas break. That's when you really are going to say, oh, shit, my team's not good. And if your team is good, leading up to that week or right around that Christmas break, that's when I think you got to pressure um, teams that are in the bottom half to make a move whether by hook or crook, uh, either either give them an offer they can't refuse that makes your team better in a head-to-head nine-cat set. Maybe, like Tyler's saying, you're going to win every week 5-3, you know, throw some players at them, get Rudy Gobert back, right? Or just play to their anxieties and give them, you know, a deal that they uh, that is, is better for you, but at least it makes their team do something different. And... Obviously, if you're in the bottom half, now's right now, I'd say, is the time this week to evaluate a team and start trying to move uh, some of these players. We talked in a recent episode about buying low and selling high, but not in the traditional way. Um, not like, oh, you know, Julius Randle's shooting 34%. He's going to probably shoot 40% by the end of the season. He'll have a better second half. Yeah, and everybody kind of already knows that. But, like, looking at that second layer of, like, all right, what what is the future for the Washington Wizards? Are they ever are they ever going to play a full, like, 30 minutes? Any of them going to play average 30 minutes this season, right? Because they get blown out all the time. So maybe Jordan Poole finally has a, a good two to three weeks and you get him off your team immediately, right? So thinking about that kind of, like, second layer of buying low and selling high – um, is is going to be really important. And I think, you know, once again, week eight, we're going into it kind of botched when it comes to streaming, sort of, because of the in-season tournament. But it doesn't have to be botched for you if you're looking to improve your team. And Tyler, like, there's a lot of ways to improve your team. Uh, and I think one of, the, one of the things I like to look at is how good are these players that i'm like holding on to or still have faith in how good are they really compared to the guys on the waiver wire because you know just like in the playoffs when real teams kind of like get into an eight-man rotation as you're approaching the playoffs guess what some of those guys on the like zach collins who's hanging out on your bench who you like who maybe you like more than you should and i'm talking directly to myself at this point Maybe he's not really that much better than some of the guys on the waiver wire. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think there's a lot of guys that, I mean, if you just look at, you know, basically per game totals, right? Like, 
the hundredth ranked player on the season is DeAnthony Melton, right? Okay. He is a point one three six kind of Z score, right? Across the board. The hundred and thirteenth ranked player is still one point oh four, right? But as you go down that list, right, like the numbers get smaller and smaller between like one spot and another and another and another and another. And so like the guy ranked 130th, like what is the difference between him and the dude who's 160th? Nothing. Not a whole lot. And that's the point where like anyone outside the top 100, I'm always looking at you going like, it, and it depends on how many streams you get in your league, like how many pickups you get each week and all that. But like anybody outside the top 100, I'm always looking going like, am I better with three games of you or five games of literally anyone off the waiver wire. And usually it's five games of literally anyone off the waiver wire. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely five games. Uh, shit, even in some cases, four games off the waiver wire versus Dylan Brooks, who I like. I like Dylan Brooks, right? But, like, if Josh Hart's playing five ga- four games this week and Dylan Brooks is playing three is there really a significant difference there? Like, yeah, I, not at all. Not, not really. Like, if Josh Hart's like, you know, playing thirty minutes, twenty eight minutes, which he kind of is, and silly season will be arriving sooner than I than, than we think, because as you're saying that all these teams right now are about to get a new crop of players they can trade for. Teams will be talking to each other in real life um, about moving teams. Like, the Toronto Raptors seem like a team that needs to blow it up. The Chicago Bulls seems like a team that should have blown it up two years ago. Um, But the weird thing, the the Oklahoma City Thunder seem like a team on the cusp of becoming a title contender, and they have 15 draft picks uh, that they have to, in the next, like, three to four years. So it does feel like there's going to be movement because a lot of teams who need to blow up don't have their draft picks. Uh, Some teams that are on the rise do have draft picks, but might not want to get rid of them. And I just think we're going to, between now and the trade deadline, especially leading up to the trade deadline, we're going to hit, I think we're going to see a lot of trades this year because I think kind of one of those pivot years where like anybody can win. Like last year we saw Denver could win. I think there's a lot of teams who are title contenders this season. Um, and I don't think any team is currently, quote-unquote, running away with it. So you're going to have front offices who want to win, who want to compete, and you're going to have these front offices who go, we are just terrible. Uh, we have to turn We have to turn the wheel in a different direction. So fantasy-wise, we're going to see a lot of turn just in players in general. But then my favorite part is that right into the all-star break into that trade deadline and then post-trade deadline that's silly season that's when like random dudes who are like like Isaiah J- uh, Jackson might just come in and start playing 30 now he's on he's on the Pacers he's not going to the Pacers aren't going to blow up they're going to be fine but like Isaiah Hartleson might just be like I don't know a 30 minute a, a game player all of a sudden um you might see Tory Craig suddenly becoming the the starting guard for the Bulls because they gutted everyone but couldn't get rid of Tory Craig, right? So all these different players are going to come out of nowhere. Tory, you know what? 
I did not make up a person, Tyler. Stop, stop you said Isaiah Hartleston. Isn't, he's on the Knicks. His name's Hartenstein. <laughs> Hartenstein. Oh, well, you know. You know how I'm not very good at pronouncing any of these people's names. Um, so I did kind of make up a person there. But I, I think silly season will be sillier than usual. Trade season is going to be crazier than usual. And, like, right now might be a good time to say, like, all right, let's position ourselves to take advantage of that these two crazy parts of the season that are definitely coming uh, in our future. Oh, 100% facts, and I think that's kind of where I'm looking at more so even than, like, you know, what trades can I make and all that stuff because, I mean... As far as this week goes, like, there's not a lot of good streaming, right? Like, you're not streaming on Monday, there's 13 games. Wednesday, there's nine games, you're probably not streaming there. Friday, eight games. Saturday, ten games. Like, those are probably not streams either. So, if you're looking for weekly advice, I'll give you a little. And then I'll talk about something that I think uh, is important, right? Uh, if you're streaming, you can only pick up one person this week. I would look at Celtics or Warriors. They play Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Five games, seven games, and five games. Those are probably the days you're going to stream. Each one of those two teams plays all three days. So even someone like Peyton Pritchard playing like 20 minutes a game, at least he's going to be in your lineup, right? Yeah, Sam Hauser, right? That's almost two and a half, three three-pointers a game. One category, Yeah, it's a simple stream, but there it is. that that, that You're approaching three three-pointers. Uh, for for games that you get, so you're you're getting like almost nine extra three pointers that can win you a week. Yeah, Dario Saric, another interesting guy. I'm not sure what he's mm-hmm. owned in Yahoo leagues, but like he's actually playing well and getting some decent minutes for the Warriors. Uh, so if you need some kind of rebounds, and you know he hits the occasional, and it was 1.63s a game, six rebounds, you know, 2.4 assists, like talking three games, 30 points. You know, eight assists, you know, five three-pointers. Like, that's a pretty good – that's all you're going to get this week. Um, so there's that. Uh, should we talk about the return of John Morant, which is not coming this week, but is coming uh, next week? You might as well, right? Um, because that does have fantasy impact uh, on, I think, the whole team, uh, Desmond Bain specifically. But – even some of the like other players on this team, like if you were, I mean, Marcus Smart got injured, but if you were writing Marcus Smart, his uh, value goes down a little bit. But in a weird way, I think Jaron Jackson Jr.'s value goes up. Well, that's maybe my case for a lot of these guys. It's like, don't the Grizzlies desperately need someone who can make some plays? Like Eric Rose started at point guard in their last game. Perhaps you, haven't, perhaps you haven't seen Derrick Rose uh, circa 2023, but it's not a great experience in 2023. No. He's uh, he's playing on six bionic knees and still able to play. But uh, yeah, Derrick Rose like shouldn't theoretically should not be able to play NBA level basketball based on the amount of injuries he's had in his career. Um, and you know, he's he's probably not someone who should be on a team that's trying to win games. 
Uh, yeah, you want to hear the ultimate Derrick Rose stat? I haven't looked it up in a bit. They actually did have three straight games where they outscored the other team. But uh, for a while there, they literally only outscored the other team with Derrick Rose on the floor one time the entire Ooh. season. Uh, yeah, that's not great. He did have three straight from November 29th to December 6th. So, yeah, uh, Derrick Rose can't play any defense anymore. Uh, obviously, John Morant, one of the most exciting players of the league, if he can get his act together. Um, the Grizzlies also may already be eliminated. They are 6-15 and 15 in their first 21 games. They are already five games out of 10th. And so, can they even get back in the playoff rate, the play-in race? You know, over the last. No, but I think if I'm, I mean, granted, I'm not right. But if I'm Memphis, I would probably sit this one out. If I was running Memphis, I'd be like, eh, let's let's lose more games because you know, let's get a good draft pick. Let's blah 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 blah. But I have a feeling that's not what's going to happen. I think they're going to be like, hey, John Moran's back, everybody. Let's do it. Let's make some money. And they're going to push for the playoffs, and they're going to push for the play-in because they can go, hey, once we get to the play-in, anything anything can happen. And they are going to be better with John Moran, period. Like, he's he is a difference maker. But are they a title contender? No. They're they're just not with the with the team that they're running out there even if they're completely healthy and John Morant's playing. Oh, 100% facts. I mean, they have no center. Exactly. They have no small forward. No. So, I mean, I guess you could say, oh, Marcus Smart is their small forward when they're healthy. But, like, Marcus Smart's really not a small forward. Like, that's a pretty small-ish backcourt if it's Morant, Smart, and Desmond Bain. I don't like that. Two ways, right? They uh, they either they either punt or they trade some. They trade and get some players to like round out their roster. Problem is, you gave up two first round picks for Smart, and so like, yeah. who are you going to trade? You're not trading Desmond Bain. You actually can't really because he's got the poison pill because his salary yeah. goes way up next year. So, like, you can't trade him. You're not trading Ja. You're not trading Jaron Jackson Jr. So you're pretty much stuck with those four. I guess the question is, can you trade, you know, whatever draft picks you have and young players for a center that you think fits your roster? Which you could do, but who, I don't know. That's the tough question, right? Like, can they get someone like Jared Allen, maybe? Or... And obviously, you're going to want someone that can play some some solid defense. So, yeah, I mean, you could look at the. I mean, you could look at Toronto. You could look at Podol. Um, I mean, maybe you can get Chris Bouchard on like nothing, like zero, like for for basically nothing, like a second round pick or something like that. I don't know. Like, it's that to me. I'm keeping an eye on Memphis. Because the only the only fantasy wise, I'm actually gonna try to like see if I can get Jaron Jackson Jr. on my team. Because I think getting John Moran out there, getting uh, a, like a true playmaker back with Jaron Jackson Jr. makes him significantly better. And I, I think he his trajectory switches from where it is today to more like it was last season. But like are the three blocks coming back for Jaron Jackson Jr.? Probably not. 
but will he be able to focus a little bit more on the defensive side over two blocks a game? I think so. Oh yeah. I mean, I think, I think he's going to be way better just confidence wise too. And like actually being able to win games helps a lot of players. So I think Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, might be one of those players where having a little less offensive workload is actually very good for his overall stats. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I I want like that's the thing is like there's like these teams like Toronto and Chicago who need to blow it up, um. But like the destination for their players seems like a huge just like I I don't know if you're the Lakers or the Clippers, it, you've already given all of your assets away to have the team that you currently have. And if you're like Milwaukee and Philly, you're like probably good with the team you got. And if you're like in Orlando, do you really want to like move some players or some assets for these guys who don't really make you a title contender? Like, I don't know where these destinations are. Oh, well, I think that for Siakam, especially, like, we've heard the Hawks, right? They're a team that wants to win, that clearly needs some more talent. Um, so that could be something. The Knicks want a star, but they want an actual star. So, I mean, does Siakam count? I don't think he does. Mm. Especially when you admit you're going to be replacing Julius Randle with him because you can't play Siakam and Randle together. No. So they're, they're another team that could be looking if someone, you know, really big becomes available. Um, but other than that, I mean, like, yeah, it's very hard to find a spot where you go like, well, Siakam's a great fit there. Yeah, he's like a great fit. I mean, he's a great fit on a lot of teams, but he's not a great fit, like, if they have to pay for him, which they will, right? And it doesn't make sense for a lot of these front offices to make the, that type of mood for Siakam in general. Like, would, he be, would Utah be better with Pascal Siakam? Yes. Do they want to give up anything that they got for Pascal Siakam? Probably not. Well, and if you're building around marketing, can you play Siakam and marketing together? Unless you're going, like, in a weird, like, Pascal Siakam is your center type style. No? That's kind of what, what John I'm Collins is like, doing out there. Yeah, and it's a lot of teams, right? Like, Grizzlies, we just talked about them. They need more talent. But, like, you can't play Jaron Jackson and Siakam together. No. So, like, what team? Like, the Warriors, they look like they desperately need a trade. Are they going to trade for Siakam? Like, no? Doesn't feel like a Warriors player? Oh, I like it, I mean, also like, what are they, what are they giving That's, up? Like, what what are they going to get out of Siakam that they're not currently getting out of like Looney? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know like that's like insulting to Pascal Siakam, who's like a great, fantastic player. But, like, they're going to ask him to play like a very different role in a different style, and it's like we have to give up shit to get Pascal Siakam. Are we better off keeping? you know, Looney in this 22-minute role and, and like, Sarich and, like, trying to rotate those guys around or when it works, or does it make more sense to have, like, no bench depth whatsoever, leverage some of our future, and then bring out Pascal Siakam, who will start every single night, and make the team, like, technically better, but, like, how much better? Well, and that's the the weird part about trading any big man. is like, it feels like so many teams are very locked in in the front court. Um, 
especially contenders. Like, what contender is gonna like trade for a big in any and in any sort? And it was we- that's why another reason why it was weird that like Toronto paid Poto as much as they did. It's like who who are you bidding against? I have no idea. I don't know who they were bidding against because I everybody was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what happened?" Yeah, I mean, like, but I mean, just go down the list, right? Like, the Celtics, if they're going to trade for a big man, it's going to be a backup, right? They've got Porzingis. They clearly want to play the other four guys and go small. They have Al Horford off the bench. Like, they might trade for, like, some depth at bigs, but, like, they're not going to trade for, like, a true big man, right? The Magic, they're loaded with big men, right? They got Franz Wagner. They got uh, Paolo Banchero. They got Wendell Carter Jr. Like, they're not trading for a big man. The Bucks, oh. not trading for a big man. Sixers not trading for a big man. Pacers got Miles Turner. Cavs got they might want a big man, but they're not going to trade for him. Right, like, and you just go down the list, and you're like, I, I don't really see a great spot for a big man to go. And that again, like, it hurts the Raptors' case for trading Siakam. But like, yeah, I guess the NBA is just in a weird spot, and that second apron really matters too, right? Like, a team like Boston, if you're going to make a trade at this point, like, you basically have to trade one of your top six because nobody else makes any money. Yeah. You, it, it's wild. And I feel like it's almost, like, detrimental, like, that that structure is detrimental to... Um, the, the, maybe that's what... The, I mean, that's kind of what they were going for, right? They don't want these all these players to move different teams, blah, blah, blah. But now they've made it harder for them to make a good team, right? And that doesn't, I don't know. It just, it, structurally, it doesn't make any sense. But I, I still do think a lot of players are going to move coming into the trade deadline, even with those types of restrictions. Maybe it's not the Pascal Siakams. But there's, there's definitely going to be some jockeying. Um, I think the Suns probably even like, get involved, like, I think we know the teams that are not going to get involved. The teams that are going to get involved, question mark, right? But, like, bottom-of-the-barrel teams probably aren't going to be getting involved unless they're, like, sending away, um, like, Jerry and Grant. Or Jerry and Grant? Who's Jerry and Grant? What's wrong with me today? Um, yeah, unless they're sending Jeremy Grant away. or But, like, he's worth $27 million a, a year. Like, who's going to take on that money like I, like even those teams might be out of the question uh so yeah well, yeah no see jerry and grant was a person like, i think he was a former yeah. bull that's why any any former bull just sticks in my head i guess uh whatever works for you yeah i mean i'm with you right the kings are a team that could maybe make a, a trade for like yeah somebody like that right like there's some barns and, and that, but I do agree with you though, that, so the second apron restrictions get a lot more stringent this off season. So those teams like the Celtics, like the Suns, they basically have to have their roster made before the, like at the trade deadline is going to be their last chance to add a significant piece. And so those teams could be even more all in too. Like the Suns could try to package uh, Nurkic and maybe Grayson Allen, right? And like that's like twenty five million right there. So maybe they go for another kind of like big salary guy, or they try to get like a couple medium salary guys. Now they don't have a lot of draft capital to trade, so like it's going to be difficult. But I think we could see a lot of teams, especially ones that expect to be over the second apron, the Timberwolves. 
they're probably not going to bring back Kyle Anderson next year. So do they just ride it out, try to compete for a championship with him this year? Do they try to trade him for something? That's a question I can't answer. Uh, but that's another guy, like, just a kind of a fringier guy, right? Like a, a good quality rotation piece, but not a star that could be available just because of financial restrictions. Let's talk about some of the hotter uh, pickups that are happening in fantasy and maybe put them in the context of like, all right, rest of the season. When we think about um, all these teams who are jockeying for position, the teams that are tanking, where where do these players look? How do these players look like for the rest of the season? Are these kind of like flash in the pans or is this like, hey, this is a player that's um, if you can you can pick them up now will be part of either a, a team that's either going to get rid of them or a team that needs them to play because they're going to move other pieces. And I, I feel like Dallas is one of those teams that like should do something. But once again, what they usually figure out what to do, but two of like the biggest pickups over the last um, week is Dante Exum and uh, Derek Jones Jr. Who uh, Derek Jones Jr. We've been talking about him as like a great stream for I think for a while now. And Exum, though, on the other hand, seeing significant minutes over the last few games, having a fantastic game against, you know, a Portland, but like still a fantastic game against Portland. And he could, quite frankly, be a piece on a team that Kyrie Irving doesn't uh, look like he might be coming back for a little while because he tweaked, um, I don't know if his knee or his, his, his ankle, but it does not look, Terrible. It did not look terribly good because I saw it happen. Uh, they're listing it as a heel contusion. He, uh, Dwight Powell, kind of he was la- sitting on the ground and Dwight Powell landed on his leg. It looked ugly. It really looked ugly. Um, I thought maybe he broke his leg. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, they basically have not set a timetable for his return. But I would not expect him to play for at least a few games. Um, Dante Exum has been really good. Now he shot well. In Europe, in the two years that he was not in the NBA, he has not shot the three-pointer well for Dallas. But at the same time, he has made some plays. He's big. Like, he's bigger than I remember. Like, he put on some just mass, became a man. Um, is playing some stout defense. I think he's going to get quite a few minutes. Um, do I want to count on him? No. But if I'm picking him up off the waiver wire for free... Sure, I'll stream the heck out of him, but like I'm not trading anything for him for sure. Just in the sense that we've seen plenty of Dante Exum games, even when he's getting big minutes, where he has like two points and three assists and two rebounds and nothing else. Yeah, I'm not I'm not like long terming Dante Exum, but I think he's a great pickup this week with four games. Um, if you're just kind of like looking for an upgrade on a guy who's going to be playing, because I don't, I don't think Kyrie comes back this week. Hopefully next week, but Kyrie might be out longer. Like we said, it, it just looked bad. But as like a long term perspective, unless Dallas makes a move, Dante Exum is part of the rotation. I think he has to be because the Mavs what other also, rotation do they got? Well, that's this is based. The Mavs are pretty much stuck with their team unless they can find a significant upgrade because they can only trade one first round pick, and it basically has to be unprotected if they trade it. So they've been very hesitant to do that because Fair. it's right. It's right after Luca's contract is up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. And so they've been hesitant. They've been hesitant to do it because you never know, and they don't want to have to trade an unprotected first round pick that turns into a lottery pick. Um. So yeah. yeah. But they if there was a time to go money. all in for the Dallas Mavericks, it feels like it is kind of now. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie's been playing well. He seems happy. There has not been uh, really any off-court distractions. Now, obviously, this injury just happened. Um, sure. Hardaway, they've been talking about trading him. They have Rashawn Holmes' $12 million contract. So they could quickly cobble together like pretty close to $30 million in salary. There is the potential for them to try to go for it but again like i think it would have to be a significant player for them to make that move just because you don't want to trade a f- unprotected first round pick for just an okay role player right like you want to trade an unprotected first round pick for like you know maybe they could be a team that goes on siakam but i mean i think the raptors are going to want more than one unprotected first I would, I would once again like to recommend zach levine to all teams all gms who are listening to this podcast zach levine is for sale for a first round pick um, please send the Bulls a first-round pick. Or Zach Levine, thank you very much. Um, Zach Levine would not fit on this team at all, but I don't know, do it. Fuck it, I don't know, I, I can't. I, I really feel like the Bulls are going to move Zach, and I think it's it's mutual. Um, obviously, Zach Levine has been sitting out for a week or so now, and the Bulls are 4-0. and and there is absolutely no timetable for the return of Zach Levine for his right foot soreness. And we're winning games. So, like, they're not uh, really it's, – it's one of those weird things where it's like Zach Levine not playing and the Bulls playing better hurts his trade value. So it hurts the Bulls' front office, but it also then hurts Zach Levine's desire to leave the Bulls because the Bulls aren't going to, like, trade Zach Levine for, like, Trump change. They might as well just hold on to him to see if his – value ever goes up ever again uh to a desperate team they might as well wait for desperation but like in the meantime you got kobe white playing absolutely out of his mind should be um rostered in every single league that you're in but then you also have um patrick williams finally kind of like i don't know if it's gaining confidence or just being allowed to do more than he was doing or Frankly, not sure why Patrick Williams over the last like week or so has decided that he has confidence in his own game. Which, when you see Patrick Williams playing with confidence, you're like, hey, this guy's kind of good. He's kind of good. And the, the 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 four games we've won, the only significant team there is Milwaukee, where they actually won. But you're looking at Patrick Williams, those blocks and those steals. He's just he's filling up and can fill up when he plays both of those stat lines. And as a streamer alone in Chicago, that's that's a nice fantasy asset. But in the long term, both Patrick Williams and Kobe White on a Chicago Bulls team that does blow it up are absolutely must-roster fantasy players. In the last 30 days, Kobe White is the 70th-ranked player. With no steals or blocks, really to speak of, 0.8 steals, yes. 0.2 blocks. Um, those steals and blocks are always a concern for Kobe White. I think, like, if he could get you a steal a game, he would. He could quickly become a top 100 player, but there's just never really there. Yeah, I'm not sure um, you're ever gonna you're ever gonna get that from from Kobe White. But what 
you are going to get is like Patrick a Williams, a glorified fucking just absolute not like nonsense uh, three point shooter. Last thirty days, Patrick Williams one point one steals, one point two blocks per game, and a three. That's nice. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. Now points aren't great. No real assists. Rebounds are just okay, like maybe five a game. Um, the question to me is, is Patrick Williams part of the teardown or the rebuild? Because he reportedly wants a lot of money. Well, yeah, that's. I think that's the real... Well, here's the thing. I don't think he's going to get a lot of money from anybody. So, um, good luck. I think the Bulls are willing to play that game because they play that game. The, the financial... Um, you know, champions every single year of the Chicago Bulls. They make the best deal. Like, the Vujovic deal, it's not a bad deal. The Zach Levine contract, not a bad contract. These aren't bad contracts. They also just, you know, they're not going to overpay and or pay for, like, talent that would actually win them games. So, but financial champions, the Chicago Bulls are, like, got more titles than than they did during the Jordan years, where they were also financial champions, not paying Scottie Pippen or even Michael Jordan what he's worth. That said, is Patrick Williams part of a re- rebuild or not? And, man, I I think he has to be part of a Bulls rebuild because I'm not sure you're going to get much back for Patrick Williams on the open market. I'm not, there, I'm not sure there's too many shrewd GMs out there who would be like, I'm willing to take a chance on a guy who wants a, uh, a huge contract um, next year to come on my team, even though we're, you know, we're able to like properly build talent, uh, uh, unlike the Chicago Bulls, and like Patrick Williams could just be another one of those Lowry marketing all-stars waiting to happen. But I'm not willing to like go get him right now and pay him. I'm willing to pay him in the offseason. Yeah, I guess my worry there would be be like, what what is someone willing to pay him, and is someone willing to overpay for the thought of him over his production? Right, like, would somebody be willing to give OU a first round pick for Patrick Williams right now? And if that is a decent first round pick, right, like somewhere in the mid, maybe even in the lottery, right? Like, is he going to return that same value to your team, making twenty million a year? Yeah, I don't know if anybody takes that, that, I guess, risk, right? So why give up a first-round pick and then pay him $20 million a year when next year you can pay him $20 million a year? Oh, but he's restricted, right? So the Bulls could just match it. Yeah, so maybe you got to pay him like $30 million a year, right? But I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the... Uh, I don't know if I'm a lottery team. I'm giving up a lottery team for Patrick Williams because, quite frankly, this experiment with him has looked pretty awful. Uh, like, the best asset on the Bulls is Alex Caruso. Everybody knows that. All the GMs know it. Um, part of a package, maybe to get something done, you put Patrick Williams in that package. But that would be the only way he moves. And if he doesn't move, he's on the Chicago Bulls. He starts and he's going to play like 35 minutes a game and like plenty of garbage time. And I think you're going to get a steal over a steal and over a block out of him. 
But yeah, I mean, we saw him almost do that last year in 28 minutes a game. Exactly. Like fancy wise, like that's a great asset. If he moves to another team, he's not. He's he's the, he's kind of a, actually a worse asset because the Bulls do play him. I'm not sure if the team he moves to, if he's gonna slide into that into that starting role. Um, the flip side, I really do think the Bulls blow like blow it up, and they they at least move some pieces. I don't know if they can move Demar Derozan for for much. Um, I'd love to see Vujovic leave for some decent assets. It does make Andre Drummond kind of like an interesting fantasy player because in 13 minutes, he's averaging six and almost seven with a steal. And we all know that Andre Drummond, like with minutes can fill it up. I would not put any, I would not put any, unless you're in the deepest of leagues, I would just not put any like future value on Andre Drummond. Cause even in a situation where the like Vujovic leaves and we don't really actually get a center back on the bulls. Uh, I don't think Andre Drummond plays 30 minutes. I'm not sure he's capable of it. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Like, I think he kind of maxes out at 15 minutes per game. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just his role in the modern NBA where you can't defend on the perimeter and you are just a traditional big man of his ilk. Uh, The last thing I kind of want to talk about, Tyler, is the almost in-season champions. Indiana Pacers and a team with you know, a lot of a lot of experts, a lot of people, a lot of people talking, a lot of people saying the best bench in the NBA. Um, oh, this is a Rick Carlisle special team, if you ask me. Great offense, yeah. no defense. They're Rick Carlisle special. They are dropping, but you know, for fancy, fucking great, cool. I love a team that's dropping 130 points a night. That's awesome. Obi Toppin. Is I mean I Obi Top is like coming into form right now. Seems like they found the right place for him on this team and the right rotation for him on this team. But you also have like um dudes like Naismith, uh Buddy Heald, who I don't I really don't know what to do with Buddy Heald moving forward, right? Like that's a name that's been shopped around a lot uh as a trade for like years and years and years, and he's still just kind of hanging out on the Pacers. And then Benedict Mathurin. All of those guys have legit fantasy value. Is the are the Pacers the team that just rides this group as far as they can go? Or do you think that the Pacers are going to let one of these bench players, specifically maybe a younger bench player, shine by moving on from like let's just say Buddy Heald or um I don't think they'll move Turner, but could i think the pacers want to win first and foremost so i think the trade that they make would have to in their mind at least make their roster better and that i mean like you said it might be you know if we move buddy heel does playing mathurin you know 35 minutes a game or 32 minutes a game make our roster better I don't think it does, but at the same time, like Buddy Heald is an unrestricted free agent in the offseason and wants more money than the Pacers are willing to give him. That's the whole reason those trade rumors came out at the beginning of the season. Um, I think they could move him just because they don't want to lose that asset for nothing. Is anyone willing to give them even like a first round pick in the 20s for Buddy Heald? That's a question I can't answer. I would kind of guess no. 
but maybe. Yeah, I would also guess no. And so then you have to deal with, like, is three second-round picks better than nothing? Well, the three second-round picks might turn into nothing. Yeah, true. I mean, you can always pack, repackage them, send them out, or whatever. But like, but he healed right in like twenty five minutes. Isn't just like he's just not. He's fancy relevant, certainly. But like, you want Buddy healed for his like the fact that he can almost score four threes a game. And if he's playing twenty five minutes a game, it's good. It's looking more like three three pointers a game. And it's it's really is that like difference between uh, last season thirty one minutes, three and a half threes, five rebounds. Three, assi- uh, three assists and over a steal. You drop that to 25 minutes, and now it's, you know, 13 points, three threes, three rebounds, two and a half assists, and less than a steal. So it's like just that fraction is what we talk about all the time. That's the, the true plateau region of Buddy Heels either at the top of the plateau or the bottom of the plateau. And all those little minuscule moves, right, and that that five six minutes less a game, he his value drops significantly because those players are lumped so close together. Which if he moves one, I like Buddy Heels. If he's moving to a team that wants him, I like the fact that he would probably play thirty plus minutes a game to the team that wants to go get Buddy Heels. I hope maybe he's maybe he's a bench. You would know when you when he moves to the. Clippers, you'd be like, eh, I don't know if he's going to play 30 minutes a game. But I would think if you're trading for Buddy Heald, you want him to come in and be that threat on the side, shooting tons of threes. When it comes to like the guys who would slide in to that role, Naismith or Mathurin, I'd probably lean to I'd probably lean to Naismith. But like, I don't know. I actually don't know who I'd lean to because both Naismith and Thurin, when you think about their per 36 minutes, I don't really like either one of them with a like in a larger role fantasy wise. If they're playing 32 minutes a game, I don't see like a significant like, oh man, we, you got to own this guy. You got to, you have to have roster this guy. I still feel like they're still streamers, even with like starters minutes. Uh, Naismith's. Case for being owned would be like fifteen points and one point three steals on you know good field goal percentage yeah. and some pretty good threes. Like that's not great, right? Mathurin's still young, not good percentages really. I mean, like the free throws fine. He did take five. He took almost six attempts a game last year too, uh, which is it's way down this year. But again, he's like strictly just a points guy. It's not, yeah, it's non-existent okay. from him for either one of them. Non-existent assists. At least Naismith, yeah, and so plays plays in the steals and blocks. Like thirty minutes a game, is it a steal and a, uh, you know, half a block a game? Maybe a little bit more. Sure, but then you're also talking about one assist a game, and 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 like negative rebounds, negative assists. So like neither neither one of these dudes stands out as like a fantasy game changer if the Pacers decide to to move any of these dudes. They just seem like streamers from here on out. I'd agree with that. Obi Toppin, on the other hand, I I, I think should be picked up in all leagues. Last 30 days, where does Obi Toppin rank, do you know? 
I do. Ooh. I just looked it up. Uh, I'm going to say top 75. 99th. Okay. Well, I was off. Uh, I He's been playing, like, the last few weeks out of his mind. Yeah, and... there's no steals or or in just .8 blocks if you look at the last 30 days. Uh, those numbers yes. go up if you look at, like, the last two weeks. Yeah, but, like, once again, the assists are never going to be there for him. Um, you would hope those rebound numbers would go up with more minutes. They haven't. But like, I think he should be rostered in all leagues because he's playing really, really well. I also think he's one of those candidates where I'm going to ride him for two weeks, see if I can, if this streak continues of him playing incredibly well. And if not, he's also expendable. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what's been making his hay lately is that he's getting you like one, like over the last two weeks, he's ranked 80th and it's. Uh, in large part because he's getting you 1.6 blocks and 2.2 three-pointers, um, which neither one of those have been things really for Toppin. At any point in his career, he has been a below-average three-point shooter for his entire career, and his career high before this season in blocks was half a game. Um, so if he can make those two leaps, obviously he becomes a different player. But, man, having a power forward that gets you like three rebounds a game just does not sound good. It's rough. It's it's really rough. And like cuz there's like guards that do that. And even guards who do that, you're kind of like, oh, "I wish you got me another <laughs> rebound." Uh I would much much rather have um well, I'd, re- I'd rather have Kobe White than anybody. I don't know why he'd be on your waiver wire at all. But like Patrick Williams over Obi Toppin. I'd say short-term and rest of the season. Maybe like this week, Obi Toppin over Patrick Williams, but like, not much. Uh, and so rest of the season, certainly Patrick Williams. All the bench guys, uh, Naismith, Mathurin, Dante Exum. I'd probably rather run with Dante Exum short term than those dudes. Long term, I, you know, honestly, long term, I don't know. It's like, I, I'm very interested uh, to see if Dante Exum can, can become like a solid rotation dude in Dallas. Long term, I see Exum as more of like a twenty to twenty-five minute guy. So anybody getting more minutes than that, I would probably go over him. But like for this yeah. week, heck yeah, I'd ride with Dante Exum over uh, most of the guys you mentioned. Like obviously not Kobe White, but most of those other guys, just because he's gonna start, he's gonna play big minutes, and the Mavericks are trying to win. So if he's playing well, they're gonna keep him on the floor. And the Mavericks certainly need defense. Yeah, and he's a he's a very good defender. Any other news that's going on? Like, Jamal Murray's back. Like, okay, cool. Like, thank you for coming back, Jamal Murray. I appreciate it. Uh, Caldwell Pope's still going to play. He's just not going to play as many minutes. Uh, the Houston experiment well, continues to be absolutely fascinating. That was the nice thing about the in-season tournament, too, is it let some of these guys get healthy without missing a ton of games. Because, like, you know, pretty much other than the teams that were in the tournament, like, they only played two games last week. Even the ones that were. Like, the only ones that played three games last week were the Lakers and the Pacers, right? Everybody else only played two games. And so it allowed, you know, a, a full week for everyone to get healthy without, you know, missing four full games. Yeah. It's very nice. Because, like, I think there's this is like definitely a part of the season where people are dealing with some injuries and allowing 
players to like get healthy without like like legit like full full days off. Like I think you're gonna see next week a lot of like really good performances from the teams that didn't play in the I mean even the teams that did play in the in season tournament other than the Lakers. I think you're gonna see. I've, it wouldn't surprise me if LeBron suddenly sits the rest uh, sits out till Christmas, but. Every other team like really had like a really short week and they're a lot of time off before their game on Monday and I think you're going to like see a lot of like less winded, healthier, uh fresher players next week. I think you're going to see like really good performances, uh some surprising performances in this upcoming week. And quite frankly, if you're looking to move some players that you aren't terribly happy with a really good solid week from them will up their value and will be you know i think this is the time to make a trade so like if they if you get a great week out of jordan pool let's say uh well we've been talking about moving jordan pool like every single week right so i don't know maybe a better example would be if you get a great performance i don't know out of like Max Strauss? Franz Wagner? I would move Franz Wagner, even though I, I really, really like Franz Wagner. If he plays, like, out of his mind this this week, might be a good time to move him. Um, I, I don't know. I like that guy. Maybe I wouldn't. Uh, I just think, like, if you aren't trying to maneuver your team into a playoff spot and or a better, um, you know, fill, like, fill in the gaps on your on your categories... Or lean into the ones where you're like in second and third place. Go go for first. Go for domination in those categories instead of uh, third place. Just give up. Give up on uh, three pointers if you're uh, seventh out of ten. Like give up on three pointers. Just, just lean in. Trade your three point shooters for some big men and lean into your points and rebounds. All great advice. Tyler, if it's it, um, do you have anything to plug? Anything you wanna? Anything you wanna shout out? Uh, no, not right now. Um, just keep checking out hashtag basketball and uh, enjoy the games this week. I feel like there's gonna be, like you mentioned, there's gonna be a lot of good games just because you know teams are fresh, they're ready to play. Uh, the West is crazy as ever, right? The Warriors wouldn't even be in the playing tournament right now. Um, so we're gonna see a a lot of teams that are hungry to get their act together, right? Especially in that Western Conference, Memphis the Warriors want to be in the playoffs. They're not right now, um, so there's going to be a lot of fun games. Parity is fantastic for the NBA. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. If you're not following Tyler, go to Twitter and go to Tyler at Tyler P Watts W A T T S. You can find me at Watch the Boxes. If you like the show, rate, review us, or just send us. A message on Twitter, and we will like cover topics, players, trends, trades, whatever. If you need advice, we're here for you, and we will see you next time.